I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Footy Prime News and Such. Your one-stop destination for footy news and such. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Good Friday, football fans, and it's Footy Prime, the podcast's news and such. Shaman's here, Forrest is here, and Dunlop's here. Hello, fellas. How you doing? Oh, yeah. Fine, fine Friday. Great. Well, I'm, uh, I mean, at least Benfica didn't draw Bayern Munich. We're going to get into the Champions League draw and maybe a little bit of Europa League draw just for Craig later in, in the show today. But uh, yeah, Benfica, Liverpool. Ooh. It's always Jeez. always something oh. with us. I'm oh, wearing my fragile friendship will be uh, on the rocks once again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I uh, because I just woke up a few minutes before doing this podcast, I threw on my Benfica top to give me some inspiration and motivation. But uh, yeah, I was a little disappointed to see the draw. Yeah, yeah you, should, you, should, you, guys. you should be embracing it, man. I mean, finally get some exposure for that little team, Benfica. <laughs> yeah. I told you that getting this far in the Champions League means they're going to lose uh, nine of their starters instead of seven in the summer <laughs> transfer window. <laughs> Probably. Well, listen, to start today's show, though, we have a guest. I like bringing guests on on Fridays. It helps, you know, elongate the show, which is always a good thing. And uh, our guest today is a friend of the show. You'll know him from, of course, Waking the Red. But Mitchell Turney does far more than just that. Uh, he is the editorial director of the latest edition to Canada's ever-growing Footy culture, something we need and something you need to know about. The Derby Magazine. Uh, Mitch, welcome to the show, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. All right. The Derby Magazine has been around for a while now. Please explain to the listeners exactly what it is and how they can find it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, that, well, this is our third issue, our... Um, I guess a bit of a hipster um, director decided that we were going to call the first one Issue Zero, which has greatly confused us every time we're trying to talk about any issue because this is the third issue, but it's called Issue Two. So, I mean, every meeting, someone will say Issue Three, we'll get glared at, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, we've been out for, I guess, a year plus now. Um, this is our third third edition of the magazine. And yeah, we just felt there was a bit of a gap there in terms of, you know, written content for Canadian soccer and, and a lot of these stories that, that, you know, the traditional media weren't telling. So we wanted to, to create a space for, for that to happen. So Mitch, is this specifically Canadian content and what Canadian players, women and men are doing? Uh, yeah, mainly. I mean, we, we have a North American um, focus as well. I mean, we, have, we even had a story about uh, Venetia getting promoted in, in the last one because um, we had some, 
super cool photography that someone took for us out there that we weren't not going to put in the magazine. So there's a bit of everything in there. But yeah, the main focus is is telling Canadian stories. And and like I said, these kind of untold stories that um, for so many years have, have kind of gone, you know, under the rug just because there there hasn't been the the appetite for them or there just hasn't been the people there to tell them. So so forgive me for, for making the comparison, but is this basically Canada's version of the Blizzard, which is, you know, a, a renowned, superb edition from, from UK? Yeah, uh, we hope so. Yeah, certainly. Uh, if you want to make that comparison, um, that, that's the hope is, is you know, we, we provide something for Canadian soccer fans that, uh, you know, they can they can pick up, they can look at. Um, obviously, the images are, are super important to this thing. We want, you know, good visual storytelling and, and written as well. That's yeah, that's a big part of it. That was going to be my question. Uh, we're about the same age, I think, Mitch. And like ma- magazines were a big deal. 442 mm-hmm. would come out. There was a football 360, quite a few of them that were quite expensive at the time, but always had me walking through the aisles at, uh, at shoppers or chapters or wherever mm-hmm. it was. Um, so did the idea kind of come from, from that, from missing, uh, you know, missing what was a key, kind of a key part of a football culture, uh, before and, and bringing it back in a new way? Yeah. I think it's just for, for us, it's like the perfect way to tell stories. Like I think, um, when you're online or, or when you're, it can be a, an incredible story, the, the best written story you've ever read. And there's still that, uh, that impetus when you're online to want to want to click out or scroll past, or there's just so many distractions when you're reading something on the internet. Whereas when you're picking up something and physically looking at it, I mean, Brendan, even your writing is, is legible in, in written form. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that, uh, I, th- I think that it's just a, a, the perfect way for us to be able to, to tell these stories. And again, like people will, I think, pay more attention because it is in a, a visual medium. Yeah. Hat tip to Mitch for getting our brand. They just jump on Dunlop and <laughs> you're, you're in the family. But, <laughs> but, but I mean, Mitch, um, you know, I, I think the Canadian soccer culture is really growing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I said it a number of times. We're not quite there yet, but we, we've seen in recent internationals uh, at home, just how it's changed. It's been a tipping point the last you know, year or so, couple of years, maybe. Um, what is your thoughts right now on, on where we're at as a nation regarding our actual football culture beyond the, the hipster approach? Because there is that element, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's an important element as well. But I think we're growing into the mainstream now as well. Yeah, and that's obviously really exciting both for, I mean, for what you guys are doing here, for, for our magazine, for so many parts of Canadian soccer culture that it's finally kind of reaching that mainstream. And I mean, it's cool. Like there's a distinctly Canadian touch to, to the way it's reaching the mainstream and the way the boys are diving into snowbanks and um, just, just the way people have embraced this game. I mean, you know, there's, there's almost the, like the, the, the one thing that I think like a lot of my friends have been able to, to get into is just how much of a fighting spirit this Canadian men's national team and the women's national team as well have. Like you'll see them at basically every game in this, this World Cup qualifying cycle. There's a big scrum and all the boys are in there. And I think that's like a, a way in for a lot of people. So it, it's, yeah, it's been awesome to see it kind of get that mainstream consciousness now. Have you guys seen uh, an increase in uh, in the actual visibility of uh, what you're doing uh, because of this buzz around soccer? Yeah, certainly. I mean, um, you know, all of a sudden, out of the woodwork, there's a, there's a bunch of brands that that want to work with Canadian soccer. Um, it's it's obviously st- still a work in progress in there, but it definitely that that we've seen a, a much bigger buzz now that the both national teams are you know picking up results and 
global stage. Hey, when you guys say hipster football, like where is that at now? My introduction to that was all of a sudden there were all these people that were like, oh, my favorite German team is Borussia Dortmund. <laughs> you see what Jurgen Klopp is doing? He no, is Arminia Bielefeld. Is Arminia Bielefeld? <laughs> they, when they the, uh, the, the hipster's <laughs> choice? Was that the story? Maybe it was Mines when when Klopp was at Mines. I just remember that that's when it became, got uh, you know brought into the mainstream lexicon, and I don't know where that's evolved past. Yeah, I'm, uh, um, I wasn't at St. Pauli that was like St. the St. Pauli, yes, uh, like thank the, you, was thank the you, yes, hipster German club choice. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's kind of funny as as Canadian soccer kind of grows. There's still those people who almost seem, you know, frustrated by the fact that there's all of a sudden there's these new people invading their space that they've held for so many years. But like, <laughs> I mean, if you really enjoy something this much, you should want to share it with. Uh, more and more people and that's you know that's been awesome for me to see is like the fact that these people that i've been telling my entire life like no canadian soccer is like cool like <laughs> like you should invest more in this you should pay more attention to it now they're starting to and you know text messages from people like i remember uh when alfonso davies was first coming up i think he played that first friendly against uh who's that curacao in, in montreal and one of my buddies picked me up from the game and i was like there's this 15 year old kid who just played for canada like you're going to want to remember this name. He's like, ah, you know, it's some Canadian kid. And he, he just texted me recently. He's like, yeah, so you were right about that guy. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I think we've seen, you know, I think there's certainly a, a drawback to hipster soccer culture sometimes as well in Canada, but, um, you know, to, to each their own. That's a, I'm really glad you mentioned that because there's a real cynicism in the in the hardcore soccer market here in this country mm-hmm. and there's i don't know what it is it's like it's this protectionism that they they they've been following this team and this sport for so many years and it's there they have ownership of it and god help anyone else that wants to come into the join the fray and jump on the bandwagon i'm all about bandwagon jumpers and more than merrier that's how corporate canada wakes up that's how we become a, a mainstream legitimate sport in this country but there's that element and you know who they are. There's an element that are just, they, they, I don't know, they're, they're really pissed off, like you said, that this sport might become more than just a hipster's paradise. I think, honestly, too, there's a part of it is that the ones that have been, it's like we've suffered. We've suffered like you haven't yeah. suffered. So we deserve yeah. this more than you do. <laughs> I think there's a point to that. <laughs> Yeah, but that annoys me though. I don't know how you feel about that. It's like you should, this is a global sport. It's pretty popular, you know, around the world. It can be popular here. So let go of that and just embrace it and welcome everyone else to our big family. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've been taking my girlfriend to to a lot of these games now and and trying to like explain to her, you know, like, no, this isn't supposed to happen. Like, like mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to explain to her, like San Pedro Sula and all this, like all she knows is that this Canada team's awesome. They win all the time. They are exciting. They bring full stadiums. Like it's kind of hilarious. And there's some point where it's like, no, just like let her enjoy this. Like I'll obviously hold on to the the fact that like this, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy it more for the fact that I did watch eight one and watched all those lean years and the years where, what was it 2012 where Canada scored like one goal that entire year. And, um, it was, it was pretty painful to watch, but yeah, now it's, uh, now it's just about enjoying it. Honestly, like this is what, I, I don't know why, like, isn't this what you wanted if you were those Canadian soccer fans for all those years is to see the national team reach this stage. Like what's the, what's the hold up here? You know what we should do boys? This is a great idea. All right. Self-proclaimed. 
we we should get together and put together some kind of initiation membership <laughs> video or article yeah. just all the worst moments of canadian <laughs> soccer and if you want to become a member of the, of the fan group call the yeah. voyagers whatever you want then you've got to watch this like clockwork orange right mm-hmm. put the old matchsticks in the eyelids and force them to watch this <laughs> for an hour and then if if they still want to be part of it you're in what do you think <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Get a, a Tiba, a Tiba being offside in there. Get, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, the Oceans, uh, this little yeah. goal. Oh, yeah. Everything. Yeah. yeah. The, the full, the full Canada versus Mauritania friendlies from a couple of years ago. <laughs> There's something a really unique. Rouge. <laughs> I like that. That's a good, that's a good name. That's a really good name. Um, I think there's something unique about soccer, right? This protectionism that we feel. I think that there's a difference between this protectionism for the sport and the, that ownership that you're referring to, because I definitely feel that protectionism very much so professionally. When I left the score to go to Sportsnet and to do a soccer only show, I don't think I truly enjoyed those shows as much as I did previously or when I was doing Sportsnet Central later and it was just more open ended. I felt everything had to be right. Every graphic had to be right. Everything, you know, that was that I felt was important uh, had to be conveyed that way. Otherwise, it would be lost and we wouldn't win over the doubters. We wouldn't win over the hockey people. And I was so focused on that and protecting the sport that I didn't, you know, I, I don't think that exists with others. Because once I was outside of that element, I could look at it and be like, huh, yeah, I should have taken more time there. I should have I should have enjoyed those moments and maybe that was a little that was a little oversaturated. It doesn't exist in, in other sports. I haven't seen it that way. I wonder if we're being if we'd be judged harsher, do you think, maybe then? Is that you're saying, B, that you know, other other sports won't be judged by the content, think, by the professionalism more? Uh, yeah, I think this is exactly what I'm saying. Is that um is that I, it was as if there was a there's a responsibility, I think, for everyone who like loves soccer to see it grow farther. And now that it's grown exponentially, it's kind of like you know these diehard Leafs fans that have been to one Leafs game in their life because they just can't grab a ticket. They can't get a ticket. And all of a sudden, all of these rich Leafs fans who usually fill that bull in suits and they get the corporate tickets, they're the ones that are going to be flying to Qatar. And it's the people on the outside that are like, man, how the hell did this happen? It's kind of, I think that there's a bit of that going on. Yeah, I think you'd be right. You know, we're in infancy still, right? We're growing. We're trying to find our place in the world, you know, in the Canadian sporting narrative. And uh, yeah. we're taking some big steps, certainly. And I think, you know, publications like the Derby Magazine, Waking the Reds podcast, us, you know, we're doing our part, I suppose, and bringing it to the people. And I think we do it a, a certain way that perhaps isn't done elsewhere for other sports. And that maybe sets us apart. What I'm saying is we're the best. We're all the best. And, uh, you <laughs> the know, sport is. jealous. The sport is the best, and people are seeing it now, right, Mitch? Yeah, no. I, again, I think, uh, and one of the things that I've really enjoyed too is like hearing people in the stands at these Canada games now. Like you can tell, you can in dual parts tell that they haven't been around for long, but also that they're like invested. Like they'll be saying all the names correctly. They'll be they'll know the the facts about all of these guys, and you're like, wow. Like I mean, a couple of years ago, you'd turn to someone at like Canada San Lucia, and they had no idea what they were doing there. Um, but now, yeah, it's 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 incredible to see. Well, I remember going to TFC games early on in particular, you know, and sitting there and just listening to the conversations around me and getting really angry. You know, there'd be someone trying to educate their, their mate about the game, but getting it all wrong. Mm. You know, they're, they're, they're playing the, uh, the two nine three formation. Like, <laughs> no, they're not. Do the math. But now you go there and, and they're sophisticated. 
the fan the fan base is grown so much they know their shit right and, and i i talk about this all the time to you know other networks when i'm you know trying to sell myself or, or us yeah. and like the, the fan base has come so far in 10 years that you can't talk down to them anymore they know their stuff they're going to catch you if you make a mistake in christ be we saw that at fox we saw that at sportsnet craig you know mm-hmm. the same thing if, if you say anything wrong about a player or a, or a tat, they're going someone will call you out on it you know it's become a far more sophisticated fan base it has mm-hmm. it just shows yeah, we're that evolution that, importance right. yeah and I, and I and i think we do have a an educated fan base here uh just very fragmented you know you've got your epl supporters your mls supporters you might be just have your toronto fc vancouver whitecap montreal all supporters cpl supporters World Cup, so it's really, really fragmented. But if you got the whole group together and we all pulled in the same direction and uh, worked collectively, uh, Canada really is in an unstoppable position. Yeah, we really are. I mean, you mentioned CPL there. And Mitch, I mean, I'm not sure how much CPL you've covered so far in the Dolly Magazine, but there seems to be a very natural fit there because I go to York Games quite a bit. And the crowd's growing. Obviously, last year was difficult because of COVID. But, you know, it's the different fan base than you'd see perhaps at, at TFC. But it's, mm-hmm. it's growing. It's getting more sophisticated. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think there's any coincidence that we're seeing Canada soccer finally rise to new heights as they have their own league. Like, I know it's just a couple of years in, but I think that that's just like a an example of of how much investment there is now in in the sport in this country and how many how many like new people are paying attention is the fact that they have you know, you have your clubs in your community now. It's not just the three big MLS clubs who are important as well. But, you know, now Halifax has a way in. Now the, the Prairies have a way in. Um, yeah, it's been it's been incredible to see. So I think that's been an important factor as well. Mm. So, Mitch, tell us, the Dolby Magazine, how, how do our listeners find out more about it? How do they get it? Tell us all that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. DarbyMag.com. Um, the mag's actually coming out the issue two. I had to, I had to watch myself as I said that again. Uh, we'll be coming out, uh, on Sunday. There's a, there might be a, a little video maybe teasing, uh, who might be on the, the cover coming out later today. Um, Craig Forrest actually mentioned in that video. So as, as the greatest Canadian goalkeeper of, uh, of all time. Amen. So there you go. Um, Better there's, watch there's, that one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's something to <laughs> there's something to look forward to. But uh, yeah, you'll you'll find out more in the the coming days. But uh, yeah, it's uh, this is launch week uh, for us. Well, Mitch, thanks so much. Uh, you know, keep selling this game to the public. Uh, we need more people like yourselves, and of course, your boys at Waking the Red, friends of our, our podcast as well. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, buddy. Have a good one. And it's Mitchell Turney. Um, DarbyMag.com. Get on there. I want to get to this whole Craig Forrest being the greatest goalkeeper in Canada history. All right, Craig, why are you, why were you better than Milan Boyan? <laughs> or Steph Labe? <laughs> Don't be a dick. <laughs> Don't put me in a position. Come on. It's not okay. for me to say. I know it's not. I'm being a prick. <laughs> yeah, but on that, seriously, how many, you know, how many hamstring uh, question marks did you have? Did you, did you ever, did you ever sit down there with the hammy? How many times did you rally the guys after the field and tell them that they were your brothers and swear at them? Huh? Who, me? That's what Milan does. I was just, yeah, they're all my brothers. I didn't have to yell at them. Oh, you, yeah, you braided them pretty good, though, as well. At times. At times. Yeah, not bad, though. My guys were, uh, defenders were always 
doing the jobs they should be. Didn't concede many part. goals, did you? Your era didn't concede many goals, no matter who you played. No. For the most part, yeah, that's the case. Um, yeah, our strength was defending. We had some really strong defense. Randy Samuel, excellent. Ian Bridge. You know, Bobby Leonard Uzi in the defense one time. Um, uh, Sweeney, uh, Frank Yala, Premier League player. You know, so we, that was our strength. And then up front, we, you know, we had, uh, some dangerous players, of course, with Alex Bumbury, Carlo Corzi. Um, but at times we found that we didn't have enough. Uh, we certainly didn't have the pace at this teams to get in behind teams and, and scoring goals was always a, a massive issue for us and we always would turn around when would we would find somebody that you know that could actually create goals uh, score goals and uh, all the stars seem to have aligned over the last few years with the development of these young players that uh, are giving us this at plus that winning mentality that uh, for all right Craig so you see some crazy things in your time as a footballer um, what would you have done if a fan ran onto the field and and strapped himself to the goalpost to protest oil, <laughs> like we saw in the Everton-Newcastle game yesterday, crazy scenes, delayed the game by about 14 minutes, I think, overall. That was the injury time in the end. But, I mean, that was insane. If you're a goalkeeper, would you have a little chat with him? Would you have tried to convince him to not do this? Maybe it's not the right platform? Or would you have said, yeah, yeah, you got a good point. Go right ahead. Yeah, I'd be like, uh, do you have any idea... Where the key is? Did you swallow it? <laughs> That's actually well, happened at Everton before. That's the second time at Everton if somebody's tied themselves to a post. It happened years hmm. ago. But the zip yeah. tie, to be able to get the zip tie on like that quickly, I don't know how stewards didn't descend on him before You know, he secured himself. Well, I think I, that was well, the confusion. I, what I find ironic is that he's protesting oil, but he's using an oil-based zip tie. Right? Shouldn't he have used something different like rope hemp or something? But rope could be cut and removed quickly, right? He, he knew what he was doing. He wanted to be there for the longest time possible and was wearing a orange or a red. I thought it was red when they were dragging him away. I'm like, well, you know, the cameras didn't show what he was protesting. The television cameras at the time, the angle was the wide angle from behind. They were dragging him away like a rag doll. But I didn't see the shirt until until it was on social. So he he got you know maximum visibility. But what a wild way to do it! I've never seen that. I think he demonstrated actually, uh, that oil based products are best. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought about that when I when I heard about it, and I was like. What would I do in a situation like, uh, would I tie myself to a post? Maybe I should have done that at United at 6 nil or something like that. <laughs> tie you myself may as well have. a post. Not playing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any cause? Like, what cause would, would you do, would compel you to tie yourself to a goalpost? Is there anything that you're that passionate about, either, either of you? Me? Oh, I just think that the you know the the message is lost as as good a message as uh, as there can be you know in that type of setting that's not going to receive it and feels interrupted by your message. Um, sadly, I think it's it's lost. But there's there's a lot of good causes that we could demonstrate for better. Um, you know, this I don't know how this guy got the idea. Um, maybe he is a, a diehard toffee. 
and pulled the blue shirt off, uh, you know, in the last second to get out there on the pitch and do that. Craig, is there something that you'd tie, you'd do, tie yourself up? It, it, Craig's a, a I know. delayed right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I meant social issues. Oh, yeah. since, uh, since you don't have the heart for that anymore. <laughs> and I hear that people lose that. Hey, in the mid fifties, they lose that. In social issues. If that's not I'm a social teasing. issue, it might be a personal social issue. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah, want to take no I don't want to take any more goals so that's fair enough. No. No, I social you. issues there's 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 plenty of social issues I would tie myself to a post for I suppose but Where do you Charm? start? Sure what's postworthy though. I mean that's uh I could see maybe streaking perhaps what might be a better way to get attention. You should streak at a game with uh footy prime on your back. Like they used to do, uh, was it some casino did that first? Some casino started paying streakers to run around? Yeah, Gambling there were a few of them. Wasn't right. Yeah, I remember the guy in the, what, what fight was it? What heavyweight fight was it when the guy came down in the, the parasail into the ring? It's Tyson Holyfield, wasn't it? I think it was a Holyfield, yeah. Was mm-hmm. it Tyson Holyfield? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it may have been the, the air biting fight, actually, because it was a crazy, just a crazy night. Everything that could go wrong and insane happened that night. I think that was what it was, but. Anyway, let's ask the listeners. Let, let us know what you would, what you think is post-worthy in your life from a social standpoint. And, and we'll read out the best responses on the next podcast, unless we forget entirely, which is quite possible as well. Um, Champions League draw, boys. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> very, nice very interesting. So let's go through them very quickly here, okay? Um, we've got Chelsea-Real Madrid, a battle of the underdogs. <laughs> you got City. Atletico, two polar opposites from footballing ethos. you got Bayern Munich Villarreal, because Fonzie could be back for that one. And you got the Europa League champs. And you got Benfica, Liverpool, the Dunlop, Sharman, Derby. Which one of those, Craig, is, is jumping out to you? Liverpool, Benfica. Two. <laughs> That's all. It's good to see them both there. I mean, it's been a while since uh, Benfica's been at this stage, and I, we're all used to Liverpool being at this stage, of course. But I think, um, you know, there's been many in English that have had, uh, had a night in Lisbon that uh, got away from them because they enjoyed themselves a little too much. So maybe that'll happen this time. thing about uh, Benfica that uh, n- never surprises me is just, how they have a conveyor belt of players that come through and they really do an amazing job for a league that's not going to pay them the TV and the, and the other major leagues, yet they somehow seem to still be able to compete. It's quite impressive. It really is. And they've done it for years and years belt. and years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they, they find these absolute gems in South America, like Darwin Nunez, who I know I've mm-hmm. raved about before. Um, but I, this first time I saw him play, I couldn't believe he got through the cracks that no one, no one else bigger with a bigger budget or, you know, more consistent champions league play picked him up first and, uh, and he'll end up somewhere else very soon, I think. Um, but they got quite a few players like that. And, uh, fun fact, you know, who else is on Benfica? You probably haven't thought of in years and he's been getting a good run of games here since George, George 
Jesus left um, before Christmas. Um, um, the, the answer here be usually to these it's usually as Ricardo Quaresma as the answer to this, <laughs> but it's, it's not on this occasion. So who is it? Do do you know who it is? Then it's very comparable. They almost like if you're if you're drunk or you like squint and you look at them, they almost look the same. Deco. No. <laughs> Adele Tarat. Oh, that prick. He's an <laughs> asshole, isn't he? Is he still an asshole? I think he's still an asshole. Yeah, he never reaches potential, man. Who was the QPR boss that? Um, who was the QPR manager there? Was the he because he was the superstar the year they won promotion the first year. Was it Neil Warnock? I that don't was the think manager it was Warnock at the time. At I don't. Th- maybe it was. I think it was. I think, no, I think Warnock came after, didn't he? Let's look this up here. Look it up. That's a great call, Adele Tarrat, because he Adele was Tarrat. he was wonderful on, in those flashes and those moments. But then, just an egomaniac, wasn't he? I think was the issue there. And behind the scenes, his teammates didn't like him. But uh, he's still playing, so I guess he's he's not mm. burnt too many bridges. I, I wonder though, Craig. You know, you look at Benfica, you look at teams like Ajax. You know, teams these these teams with a model, they have their plan. They know what they do. Why don't other clubs follow those models? Why isn't there an English Ajax or an English Benfica who are consistently good, but have this mm. this you know rotation, this conveyor belt of talent? They bring it in, they develop it, they scout it, they sell it. That's a really good question. I, I I think the actual structure of the league, the way it's run, is differently as well. I I think uh, the the fact that uh, Benfica's scouting system and that league can attract the right players for them at that right time that may be under the radar but are going to build to be players that they can sell in the future. Uh, I'm not sure Premier League teams will risk some of the things that Benfica would do for development because of the risk of relegation or risk of not getting into European spots and whatnot. So it's just a bit of a different situation, I think, for Benfica that I'm not sure it could be exactly matched. Although you look like a team recently like Brentford, you know, they're uh, they're a team that have been very creative in London to try to compete with the, the, the big, massive clubs in London and in England, for that matter. And they've done a really good job with that, being creative and, and uh, look as though they're going to stay in the Premier League. And I mean, Benfica is doing the same thing to these teams, these middle of the road or smaller teams in South America. The exact same thing that these bigger money Champions League teams are doing to them, right? By finding these these players very early, knowing that they can blow them out of the water with money. Obviously, we're talking at a different scale of money here. But it's the, it, what impresses me is that this w- wasn't a five-year cycle. This has been two decades that Benfica and Porto have both been able to tap these resources that somehow keep flowing. That mm. that are um, you know um, constantly replenished. It's taken that time though, right? I think you look at the South American players who, who look at Benfica as a pathway and say, yeah, they've now established themselves as that club that can get me to the big club. Whereas mm-hmm. you know, if you're starting from fresh, if you're Brentford right now, you, you can start that, you can start building it, but it doesn't happen overnight. You need to mm-hmm. show that that history and that success you know, using this model in the past as well. Mm, that's right. That's a good point. The history of what they do is attractive to players to go to Benfica for that reason, a stepping stone. But Gregor makes a great point <laughs> just quickly about the risk, though, right? Benfica is n- never in a relegation risk. They've taken risks with certain players and they've you know, screwed themselves out of missing out on a, that guaranteed Champions League spot. They've lost the title. Um, it's happened a few times. Porto's obviously been been dominant and then Benfica always go to the well and, and try a few new things that they chop and change like crazy. 
You can't do that in the Premier League, even if you're even if you're City and Chelsea in that that same model. You have to you have to stay there at the top, constantly, you know, kicking and contending. So I don't think that they can take those same risks. Good point. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah, and I think Craig alluded to the the structure of the Portuguese league compared to the Premier League, where you know, yeah, Benfica may you know wouldn't be guaranteed survival using that model every year, and certainly they wouldn't be going for championships. And Benfica, although they haven't been as many as they'd like in recent years, they're still in the hunt most years. You know, in that mm-hmm. conversation for European football at the very least, right? So. It's an interesting model, though. And uh, yeah, I think it still feels good, right? Benfica Liverpool feels like a proper old school Champions League match as well, right? It, yeah. it really does. And hopefully it's a route. Mm. But uh, the way they took care of Ajax, I mean, hey, Ajax is a really good team. They love to play the ball around. Smash and grab, though, wasn't it? But hey, still. Honestly, Ajax play phenomenally. I, I said that uh, after the first leg that I, I, you know, it was a shame that one of them had to go out. And I, I did think it was going to be Benfica. Because I think that Ajax play really well. And if you're a Manchester United fan again and you watch what he's what Eric Ten Hag has done, I think that's the guy that you'd you'd want to see come to United. I don't know if they got the patience for him though. Yeah, I, I really wonder. I think he's a great manager too, but he's great at coaching young players and developing players. Mm-hmm. Is United a step ahead of that though, where they want to get almost a finished product to start winning straight away? They're not gonna wait ten years to f- develop no, certainly not generation. And not five years, they wouldn't wait three years. But I think that they have, you know, in, in this, their recent academy graduates, if you will, they've got a good crop that you can mold into a core again. So, well, we'll if you can turn around Marcus Rashford's career, right, then then he's worth it right there. I'm not sure what's happened there. It's a real sad story. Listen, guys, we should probably call it um, a day. Our, our thanks to Mitchell Turney. Have the we talked about your West Ham, your Leon yet? You're just going to blow past here? What? What? I heard the dogs fighting. Is there something domestically you have to deal with here? I don't know what's happening upstairs at the moment. I know the dogs are doing stuff, and I hate to think what I'm going to walk into. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Sorry, Craig. West Ham have been joining Leon in the Europa League. And honestly, I mean, joking aside, it's a big moment. Quarterfinals. They took out Sevilla on Thursday. Yeah. They won, what, six? Mm-hmm. Six Europa League crowns in the last three years? They just seem to win it twice a year every year. It feels like, um, but yeah, what what a what a moment for uh, for David Moyes and West Ham. It's amazing. Uh, I thought I don't think the London Stadium has had an atmosphere like it. Uh, I think it proved that if you're winning and you're playing that place, the atmosphere is going to be just fine because it was electric. I thought they played one of the best games that I've seen them play for an awful long time. And it was fitting that Yarmolenko comes on and scores again. You know, something's at a fire underneath him. I, unfortunately, it was an invasion of his country, but he's unstoppable now. Yeah, really motivated, right? I, it, it was mm-hmm. it was awesome to watch. You know, on television, it was it was great to see that 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 place rock like you know, um, Upton Park always did, and that that building was capable of certainly that that fan base is and it's this is a good draw for them to go up against leon too you know to avoid barcelona um to keep it going that this this quarterfinal tie um that that game there in london and the trip to france a few of those fans will have it's gonna be super special it's funny i saw them avoid barcelona i still have that that natural instinct to go oh thank thank god the english team avoided barcelona it's like <laughs> wait a minute it's not the same barcelona <laughs> it's <laughs> not my memory has right it just yeah. isn't yeah, it's not. I mean, you look at the, the remaining eight and that Barcelona aren't what they used to be. And, 
And having West said Ham, that, there's nothing really there that. Uh, having said that, Barcelona are not the team that they were when Xavi took over two months ago either. They are much better than that. And the, like you look at some of the pieces and the discards that they brought in, and I thought it was, oh, typical Barcelona, this old model, uh, that using their brand to acquire these big names that, that fit the mold, um, they're not going to fit together on the pitch, but they're starting to. Like Obama Yang looks good. Um, they, I'm really impressed with the Adama Traore. Doesn't look out of place at all. Thought that was maybe going to be a move too big for him. He looks great. Um, a few other pieces that have really impressed too. They're, they're coming together. Javi's got some. You know, they are. You see the scores recently? It's crazy. The scores. Mm-hmm. So, last few, few weeks, last month or so, 4 1 over Valencia, 4 2 over Napoli in the Europa League, 4 0 over Athletic in, in La Liga, 2 1 over Elsha, um, 0 0, 4 0 over. It seems 4 is the way to go for Barcelona right now. Right, they're scoring four mm-hmm. goals for fun. So yeah, they've definitely stepped it up. They're still third place, right, in league in La Liga, um, you know, which is not where they want to be, obviously. But man, there was a lot of conversation earlier this season before Xavi gets there that they may not even finish in the, in the European spots. So uh, yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Barcelona isn't what they once were, but they're also not what they, what they once were this season. Xavi's uh, transformed them slowly but surely. It's fun to watch. West Ham Barca would be a lot of fun, though, wouldn't it? Jesus and. and- well, is there a good chance? I mean, if they get Barcelona, they would have to play the winner of Frankfurt and Barcelona. The other side, you got Leipzig, oh, that's the bracket. Atlanta. Yeah, it's the bracket. Yeah, they've drawn the semifinals as well. So, oh, okay. Braga and Rangers on the other side with Leipzig. And- so it's possible mm-hmm. a West Ham Glasgow Rangers final. Although they're punching way above mm-hmm. their weight at the moment. So yeah, they mm-hmm. are. They are. I guess they took out all right, boys. Borjan's team, Red Star. They, they did. I watched those highlights. That was the last thing I watched before I went to bed, actually. And uh, the atmosphere there looked looked incredible. But yeah, good on Giovanni Van Bronckhorst and and Rangers punched them over the weight, as you say. But those European nights, um, seen a few of them. They look great. You know, they 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 live. They really come out for that, right? They really get up for it, um, and fueled by the fans and that. So they've got another chance, and they'll have a. A trip to the quarry, uh, which is one of the most beautiful stadiums in in the world, at Braga's uh, Braga Stadium. There, in the like a rock mountain quarry. Have you seen it? It's it's not got an end. It's built up against this rock quarry. So the literally behind the goal is it just looks like a, a granite mountain. So when when they if they if they you know shoot the ball over the bar and miss, the ball goes into the ocean. No, into a mountain. <laughs> into a mountain. I think it was yeah. off a cliff edge. That's kind of how I was envisioning what you were saying. <laughs> no, that'd be cool. That'd be a great. That'd you be never great too. But if it's anything about ocean, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean the two the two ends aren't connected. So literally, like there's there's two roads that come from opposite directions, and you got to know which end you're on in order to get to the stadium to be in that end. Sounds like a well designed infrastructure around there. <laughs> <laughs> um, am I allowed to go upstairs now and assess the damage? Yeah, sort things out. All right. This well, thanks, fun. boys. This is fun. Our thanks to Mitchell Turney. The Derby Mag. Check it out. It's fantastic. And of course, uh, listen to those boys cover TFC like no one else on Waking the Red and all things Canadian football, of course. A huge week coming up for Canada's national footy team. Huge two weeks. And uh, very shortly, we shall be convening and discussing the plans for Qatar 2022. How when are you heading that? down to Costa Rica? 
I am heading down on Tuesday morning, first thing Tuesday morning, and I return on Saturday straight into the uh, Jamaica preview world. So uh, we'll be talking throughout the week on Footy Prime, the podcast. And uh, oh my, now my cat's going freaking nuts. Jesus. Anyway, yeah, because maybe your cat can't believe that you pronounce the host of the World Cup the same way that American news anchors do. You're calling Cutter? it Cutter? It sounds yeah, like Yeah, well, no, Cutter. you know what? I actually, that's how you pronounce it. I know someone who actually, I don't know why or how, but he had some people from there staying with him. Oh. And they educate, and they said the pronunciation is Cutter. Oh, wow. So we've been, we've been doing it wrong for nine years. We're going to find out soon enough the correct pronunciation anyway because oh, well, Canada will be there cut all right guys thank you very much make sure you follow us and you like us and you tell your friends and your family it's for you prime the podcast cheers for listening A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.